the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. That is Lawrence Ferlinghetti reciting Loud Prayer at the band's final concert called The Waltz, the last waltz in the 1970s. And today, a year ago, Lawrence Ferlinghetti did his final waltz into the next realm, wherever he is. But in life, for those 101 years, he would have been 103 this year. Born in 1919, man who founded City Lights Books. In this digital age, you will not find many of his books online or in iTunes or whatever, but you will find them in print. Lawrence, okay, hold on, let me see if I... When you, when you learn about the beat poets and you learn about... Ginsburg, you know, Ginsburg wouldn't have gotten published if it weren't for for Ferlinghetti. Okay, hold on. Monsanto. Lawrence Monsanto Ferlinghetti, born March twenty fourth, nineteen nineteen, died today, February twenty second, twenty twenty one. He would have probably been astonished by the energy of today, and so I thought it is very fitting that we celebrate him. He was the author of poetry, translations, fiction, theater, art criticism, and film narration. Ferlinghetti was best known for his second collection of poems, published in 1958, Coney Island of the Mind. He was an East Coaster who came over here to the West Coast, San Francisco, and started City Lights Books. Now, he had a very interesting upbringing. And in fact, I think he spoke French for a couple of his first uh, few years. He moved to San Francisco in 1951 and founded City Lights in North Beach. In 1953, in partnership with Peter D. Martin, a student at San Francisco State University, they both invested $500. In 1955, Ferlinghetti bought Martin's share and established a publishing house with the same name. The first series he published was the Pocket Poets series. He was arrested for publishing Allen Ginsberg's Howl, resulting in a First Amendment trial in 1957, where Ferlinghetti was charged with pu uh, publishing an obscene work and acquitted. I first, I think I, I learned about Ferlinghetti. I was watching that, it's a beat poet documentary called The Source. From 1999, many of the gentlemen in there are gone. Many of them. From Ginsburg to Burroughs to Ferlinghetti to uh, Gregory Corso. 
Um, I think Amira Baraka is probably the only one who's still around. Lawrence Ferlinghetti said this, If you would be a poet, create works capable of answering the challenge of apocalyptic times, even if this meaning sounds apocalyptic. You are Whitman, you are Poe, you are Mark Twain, you are Emily Dickinson and Edna St. Vincent Millay, you are Neruda and Makowski and Pasolini, you are an American or a non-American, you can conquer the conquerors with words. That is Lawrence Ferlinghetti from Poetry as an Insurgent Art, I am signaling you through the flames. Ferlinghetti published many of his beat poets and is considered by some as a beat poet as well. Yet Ferlinghetti did not consider himself to be a beat poet. He said in the 2013 documentary Ferlinghetti, Rebirth of Wonder, don't call me a beat. I never, I was never a beat poet. And so his poetry was about the day and what was going on. He he did a very interesting poem about uh gentrification what was happening in the bay area and how all these tech companies were coming in and pushing everyone out because you know back back in the day if you were a writer or a painter or a musician you could say that an artist in resident lives here you could do that in san francisco and you could do that in new york but when it came to publishing the publishing capital was new york but Ferlinghetti, I remember him saying in an interview that it was so expensive and you and the little guy couldn't make it. So that's why he made his way on the road <laughs> uh, to San Francisco and started this this movement with all these. I mean, you would many of you fools don't even realize the the importance of Ginsburg and Burroughs and and Gregory Corso and I, I mean you wouldn't have all of these great authors and these great movements you wouldn't have Ken Kesey Ken Kesey I mean and the beats you know I, I love what he said he said once I was too young to be a beat and I was too old to be a hippie so he's right there. And then, you know, we all know about Ken Kesey. He wrote One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Hello. That is a tapestry of the 1960s. And what happens when you go against the establishment? Huh. I, Ferlinghetti always, I, I always saw him as, um, there was always a kinship. I thought, oh, okay, this man with the hat. <laughs> you know, and who was poetically giving these truths. This is, I, I thought I'd play, this is from the PBS NewsHour uh, six years ago. And this is um, Ferlinghetti ch talking about the changing San Francisco. Because you know, San Francisco, that's where you went to be an artist. That's where you went to be a musician. You think of the San Francisco sound. You think of, you know, that song, by the gentleman, oh, uh, what was his name? He wrote it, but he wasn't from San Francisco, but he made his way to San Francisco. You know that song, if you're going to San Francisco, be, be sure to wear a flower in your hair. Because that's what they did. That was, it was the counterculture. <laughs> you wouldn't have the counterculture if it wasn't for the beats. And what, you know, whether it was experimenting with hallucinogens or whether it was experimenting with writing, you know, Burroughs didn't consider himself a beat, but
but Burroughs did the cut-ups where he would take words anyway to paste them together. We do that now. It's called sampling. How artists like Al Jorgensen of Ministry, who became a friend of William Burroughs, you know, uh, they all knew each other. Jack Kerouac on the road. Come on. What did what did Ferlinghetti do in order to make it to San Francisco? Cross country on the road. He didn't fly. He drove on the road. I don't think he was with Jack Kerouac, but he did pub. The City Lights did publish on the road. And they published Hal. But I thought I would play this. Those, There are probably people out there who aren't even aware of Ferlinghetti. And it's not so much a California thing. I mean, if you think of that beat poet movement, really just, it became universal. Where we look these days, there's evidence of the tech boom. Supposedly exciting, thrilling, wonderful for us all. Well, maybe not for all of us. One of San Francisco's legendary figures celebrates a birthday today, laments what it's done to his city. Jeffrey Brown explains. At 96, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, poet, painter, and publisher, is still revered as a cultural treasure in the San Francisco Bay Area. How are you? I brought you some flowers. A recent opening for a retrospective exhibition of his artwork at the Marin Museum of Contemporary Art drew a large crowd. You really, truly are a legend of the Bay Area. Berlinghetti once wrote, all I ever wanted to do was to paint light on the walls of life. And that he's done here in poetry. The changing light in San Francisco is a sea light, an island light, and the light of fog blanketing the hills, drifting in at night through the Golden Gate to lie on the city at dawn. When Ferlinghetti first arrived in San Francisco from New York in 1951, he settled into a $65 a month apartment in the Italian working class neighborhood of North Beach. It was still the last frontier when I arrived in 1951. It was a wide open city. You could come here and start anything you wanted because in New York City it would have been impossible to start a bookstore unless you had lots of money. Ferlinghetti opened City Lights Bookshop and Publishing House in 1953. The beginning of his journey to help put San Francisco on the world's countercultural map. He published the works of beat writers such as Allen Ginsberg and Jack Kerouac. For decades, on a range of causes, he served as an anti-establishment conscience for San Franciscans. Women's liberation means men's liberation. But these days, the establishment has changed along with his city. Today, San Francisco is better known as a central hub of the tech boom, a city of entrepreneurs and companies like Twitter that have become international giants. And while that boom is credited with driving unemployment to an all-time low, it's also blamed for rapid gentrification, making the city unaffordable for many. And that rankles Ferlinghetti. A new millionaires and generally Silicon Valley money have moved into San Francisco with bags full of cash and no manners. The pace of change, Ferlinghetti says, has quickened beyond control. But it's not a new issue for him. He read for us a passage from a 2001 piece titled The Poetic City That Was. Fifty years later, he awoke one fine morning looking for anywhere he could live and work. The new owners of his old flat now wanted four 
the George Krevsky Gallery in downtown San Francisco, which had shown Ferlinghetti's work for two decades, was forced out of its building to make way for a cloud computing startup called MuleSoft. Krevsky now sells most of his artwork online. Of course, Ferlinghetti's is not the only view of San Francisco these days. When a version of this story was posted online recently, he did draw support, but there were a few strong blasts as well. What a crank, wrote one person. The city is still as vibrant and creative as it ever was, except now young ambitious people are in tech. Another wrote, in 60 years, I'll be complaining about the new crop of San Franciscans. Fogies gonna fog. Still, Ferlinghetti himself continues to find his own way forward through poetry. There's always hope in, in love. And love and hate are viruses. Uh, love can make a civilization bloom. And hate can kill a civilization. This is a little poem which is full of hope. One grand boulevard with trees. One grand cafe in sun with very black coffee in very small cups. One not necessarily very beautiful man or woman who loves you one fine day. I'm Jeffrey Brown for the PBS NewsHour. And that's a piece that they did in 2015. Berlinghetti was in his 90s. He lived to be about 101. I have two of his books, physical books. The first one is the San Francisco Poems. City Lights Foundation. I, I love that. I saw a sticker one time I was driving, and I waited till I was at the red light to take a picture of it, and it said City Lights Books, and I thought, whoa. Um, and I, had, I think I had just come from somewhere, and I was talking to someone about Ferlinghetti. This was published in 2001. And then, I, of course, I have the iconic A Coney Island of the Mind. Now, some of you listening, oh, I thought this was a film podcast. Well, film is poetry. Music is poetry. You don't have music. You don't have those words without a poet. Think about it. You don't have those lines in the film, whether it's Shakespeare or whether it's... Um, Tolstoy or um, Dickens, you don't have that on the screen. You don't. It, and unless you have the poetry. And so it's all connected. I always do that because, you know, I have a lot of critics who are like, oh, God. Huh, I'll read a little piece for you. This is from A Coney Island of the Mind. If I could, I would read the whole thing. He just, he, he wrote with a painter's brush. Kind of how Joni Mitchell does her music with painter's principles, okay? What could she say to the fantastic fully bear? And what could she say to brother? What could she say to the cat with the future feet? And what could she say to mother after that time that she lay lush among the lolly flowers on that hot riverbank where ferns fell away in the broken air of the breath of her lover and birds went mad and threw themselves from trees to taste still hot upon the ground the spilled sperm seed. <laughs> I love that. I love how he just... I didn't even intend to read that. I was going to read a longer passage. But, you know, books matter. And 
I'm I'm aware that we live in this digital world, and but at the same time, we you know we don't take physical things for granted, and you know now we live in the NFT world, and I'm probably sounding like a Ferlinghetti as I say that, and virtual reality. If you want virtual reality, take an edible and just travel. <laughs> it's truth. I like technology just like the next person. But I know how, you know, George Carlin said it best. I like people, but I like them in small bits and first bursts. That's kind of how technology, it's like, okay, sometimes I just put it away. Like today I went outside, I took the headphones off to listen to, because it was windy, it was going to rain, and I love that feeling. Because you're in tune to everything. Ferlinghetti, I mean, I could spend a whole hour talking about Lawrence Ferlinghetti prolificness and at the same time he was a man you know uh, these these writers that we love are not gods okay they're not they're not gods um they're they are men and women just like us and they make mistakes and we all make mistakes and so when people you know try to dig things up and well you said this and you know um when I make a mistake, I, I, I have to admit to it. Um, whether, you know, people want to uh, eat it or not. And so, yeah, we... <laughs> I'm sure there are things that he did in his past that he's not proud of. I'm sure there are things I did in my past that I'm not proud of. But here we are. We have arrived at the film podcast. And there is a really great film... That talks about the beats, you know. I'm am still looking for the Ferlinghetti documentary. That that bothers me is that that I couldn't. I, I wanted to find it. You know when when it that's that's the that's the thing I do love about the digital is certain things that you thought were lost you can find. I found like two William S. Burroughs documentaries. Um, because I love documentaries. I. I, I am not a reality TV person, and and nothing against those of you who love reality TV. If that's if that's what you want, that's what you get. I think documentaries are speak volumes in in such a way, not just to educate, but they help you find your footing. And here we are, a year later, and. Berlinghetti's gone, and decades ago, uh, Burroughs was gone along with Ginsburg. But we have their we have their students still with us: Amira Baraka and Patti Smith, and uh, all these really great poets and writers and photographers and Lynn. And then even I would put Lin-Manuel Miranda up there because he's a lyricist and he's also taking from what the beats taught him. And if I can... Ah, here we go. Is this what I want to read? Oh. <laughs> no, I don't want to read that. It's always fascinating to read poems and, and then to write them. And to write them is a different thing. It's like, you know, I, I would compare it to podcasting because there are certain podcasts I won't listen to. I'll do it and that's it. I'm done. I'm mo I've moved on. 
and then they're you know the same with uh, if i write a poem i've moved on if i can't read it with feeling and and i'm and i know that some songwriters feel that way too you know because they're like uh you've written it and how do you sing it with feeling do you have to go into that that space again oh here we go this is this is perfect this is this fits into now the discourse of on peace near the end of an extremely important discourse the great man of state stumbling on a beautiful hollow phrase falls over it and undone with gaping mouth shows his teeth gasping and the dental decay of his peaceful reasoning exposes a nerve of war the delicate question of money yeah he was fully aware of society and he was fully aware even until the end we were we were living in a changing world whether it be good or bad or whether that we learn from it i i i love these these poets and um i wanted to let me see here okay it's interesting when i write something it's like oh i don't want to read it <laughs> i don't um I think this is the one I wanted. You know, he and, and he had a sense of, of, I wouldn't say style. You know, the beats, the beats clothed themselves. Okay, they would take a fez or they would take a hat or a cowboy hat. Boom, they they created their own movement because they were always going to the beat of their own drum. Hence the beats, beat poets. And I I thought I would get a little more wanted some more nuggets of information <laughs> oh my goodness yeah i like i said this is this is a great time to read perlinghetti i know some people don't have time to read that's why we have the audiobooks he i don't even think he's part of the audiobooks which is which is good all right I didn't know this. A Coney Island of the Mind, which has been translated into nine languages and sold over a million copies. When Ferlinghetti turned 100 in March of 2019, the city of San Francisco turned his birthday, March 24th, into L Lawrence Ferlinghetti Day. It's still Lawrence Ferlinghetti Day. Mm. Painting. Alongside his bookselling and publishing, Ferlinghetti painted for 60 years and much of his work was displayed in galleries and museums throughout the United States. In 2009, Ferlinghetti became a member of the Honor Committee of the Italian Artistic Liter Literacy Movement, Imagine POCA, founded under the patronage of uh, Anorari Thomas, a res uh, retrospective of Ferlinghetti's artwork, 60 Years of Painting, was staged in Rome in Reggio Ca Calabria in 2010. In 1987, he was the interior of the transformation of the Jack Kerouac Alley, located at the side of his shop. He presented the idea to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, calling for repavement and renewal. Berlinghetti died of uh, interintentional lung disease, or interstitial lung disease, February 22nd, 2021, at his home in San Francisco at the age of 101. Popular culture. Ferlinghetti recited the poem Loud Prayer at the band's final performance. 
The concert was filmed by Martin Scorsese and released as a documentary entitled The Last Waltz, which included Ferlinghetti's recitation. Giulio Cortarza uh, references a poem from A Coney Island of the Mind in chapter 121. He appears as himself in the 2006 comedy film The Darwin Awards. Bob Dylan used Ferlinghetti's baseball canto on the baseball show of theme time radio hour. Roger McGoon, the former leader of the Birds, refers to Ferlinghetti as a Coney Island of the mind in his song The Russian Hill from his 1977 album Thunderbird. Cindy Lauper was inspired by Coney Island of the mind to write the song Into the Nightlife for her 2008 album Bring You to the Brink. See Miss McNally's 2007 filmed adaption of Jacques Privé's To Paint the Portrait of a Bird uses Ferlinghetti's English translation as a narrative text. The residents mention Ferlinghetti in the lyrics of their song, Sinister Exaggerator. <laughs> oh, goodness. Mm. Ferlinghetti was played in the 2000 film Howl by Andrew Rogers. In 2013, Christopher Felver made the 2013 documentary on Ferlinghetti, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, A Rebirth of Wonder. There, there's a lot in that history of city lights and, and I wanted to further okay okay Univ his alma mater was the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill he earned a BA he earned an MA at Columbia University and a PhD from the University of Paris hmm Lawrence Montanto, Monsanto Ferlinghetti. Yeah. Icon. True icon. I, I would have liked to have met him. I, I've, I, I haven't been to City Lights probably in a long time. And, uh, yeah, that would have been a, a great experience. And now he's one of the pillars of, uh, history okay reflecting his broad and aesthetic concerns Ferlinghetti's poetry often engages with several non-literary artistic forms most notably jazz music and painting William Lara asserts that much of Ferlinghetti's free verse attempts to capture the spontaneity and imaginative creativity of modern jazz the poet is noted for having frequent incorporated jazz accompaniments into public readings of his work. Mm. Yep. True trailblazer. True trailblazer. So I thought, I'll, you know, let's leave you with a little bit. I love these books. I love it because, you know, you can look at the pictures of him standing in front of City Lights books. And, um, is this, what is this one? Great American Waterfront Poem. San Francisco's Land's End and Ocean's Beginning. The land, sea, edge, edge also the river within us, the sea about us. The place where the story ended, the place where the story began. The first frontier, the last frontier. Beginning of the end and the end of the beginning. End of the land and the land of the beginning. Embarcadero freeway to nowhere turned into part of 
Vaclacourt's wrecked freeway fountain. What is this water saying to the sea on San Francisco's waterfront, where I spent most of my divorce from civilization in and out waterfront hangouts? China Basin, Mission Rock Resort, Public Fishing, Pier Harbor, Lunch, Tony's Bayview, Red's Java House, Shante Gallery, Bottom of the Mark Eagle Cafe, Longshoreman's Hall, The Waterfront Dead, No Work, No Paid, Golden Gate Pilot Boat and Fog, Podesto, Drivers, SS American Racer, Rusty Mystic Mariner, Motor, Motorship, uh, Gov- Mo- Vernon, Victory Red Stacks, Tugs, Standing Out Past the Pier, where I telephoned the lawyer saying I was shipping out of the sailing ship Bacalta Buc- Buc- that wouldn't be back until they tore down the Embarcadero Freeway, along with the rest of the petroleum civilization and the... literary industrial complex far from where i'm standing opposite alcatraz about a thousand fishing boats nested in the green thick water the sea is a green god feeding filipino fish er, fishermen on the quars hawaiians in the baseball caps and p jack jackets retired chef petty officers casting like bait puerto rico puerto rico's of power worms into fish old capital with catfish called something else here at the top of the angel island showing through the fog funnel through golden gate monday morning october sun the harbor cruise boat tilting with the tourists into a fog boat gulls of the roofs of piers asleep in the la- in the sun the last mohican eating his lunch on a pail and catching his next lunch with the last of it the phone booth where i telephoned it's all over count me out the fog lifting the sun the sun burning through the bright steamens standing out on the end of the first poem i never wrote in san francisco 20 years ago just married on a rooftop in north beach overlooking this place i come to do is this life this waterfront existence a great view here comes more life the western pacific freight ferry plowing across the horizon between two piers foghorn flowing as i ask passing elderly ship captain in plaid suit and trifling hat from the time he takes out his pocket chrometer which he says quarter of a two and tells me to thick norwegian accent quarter to 12 he just he's just off a plane from chicago no doubt going to catch his ship for the far east after visiting his aged mother in minnesota foghorns we'll end right there because yeah so lawrence ferlinghetti the man not a madman i i'm sure many Would, would say he's a madman and uh but i i am such a a fan of his work and uh let's let's end with this the world is a beautiful place to be born into if you don't mind happiness not always being so very much fun if you don't mind a touch of hell now and then just when everything is fine because even in heaven they don't sing all the time the world is a beautiful place to be born into if you don't mind some people dying all the time or maybe only starving some of the time which isn't half so bad if it isn't you It's 
singing those songs and having inspirations and walking around looking at everything and smelling flowers and goosing statues and even thinking and kissing people and making babies and wearing pants and waving hats and dancing and going swimming in rivers on picnics in the middle of the summer and just generally living it up. Yes, but then, right in the middle of it, comes the smiling mortician. <laughs> See what I mean? There was always, there was always an, uh, a meaningful end to it. Uh, let me end with a little bit of this. This is called Christ Climb Down from a Coney Island of the Mind. Poems by Lawrence Ferlinghetti. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and ran away to where? Where there where no ruthless Christmas trees hung with candy canes and breakable star stars. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and ran away to where? There were no gilded Christmas trees and no tinsel Christmas trees and no tinfoil tinfoil Christmas trees and no pink plastic Christmas trees and no gold Christmas trees and no black Christmas trees and no powder blue Christmas trees hung with electric candles and encircled by tin electric trains and clever Cornwall relatives. Cornball. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and he ran away from where no interpret Bible salesmen covered the territory in two-tone Cadillacs where no Sears Roebuck Cretches, complete with classic babe in manger, arrived by parcel post, the babe by special delivery, and where no televised wise men praise the Lord Calvert whiskey. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and ran away to where no fat handshaky stranger in a red flannel suit <laughs> and a fake white beard and went around pa passing himself off as some sort of no. North Pole Saint crossing the desert to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania in a Volkswagen sled drawn by roller-licking Adirondack reindeer with German names and bare sacks of humble gifts from Saks Fifth Avenue for everybody's imagined Christ child. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and ran away to where no Bing Crosby carolers groaned of a tight Christmas and no and where no Radio City Angels ice skated wingless through a winter wonderland into a jingle bell heaven daily at 8.30 with midnight mass matinees. Christ climbed down from his bare tree this year and softly stole away into some anonymous Mary's womb again where in the darkness, of, in the darkness night of everybody's anonymous soul he awaits again an unimaginable and um, impossibly immaculate reconception <laughs> the very craziest of second comings <laughs> oh my goodness so today is 2 22 I'm sure Ferlinghetti would get a kick out of it and I'm sure Betty White was like fuck this shit I'm getting out of here so it's been fun it's been nice the Dr. Zeus film podcast I'm sure some of you are tired of me reading the poetry and but I do write it, but I don't recite it on here. But thanks to City Lights Books and Lawrence Ferlinghetti, we are all better for it. Okay, the title of this book is taken from the Henry Miller's Into the Nightlife and expresses the way Lawrence Ferlinghetti felt about these poems when he wrote them down during a short period in the 1950s, as if they were taken 
together a kind of Coney Island of the mind, a kind of circus of the soul. A Coney Island of the mind is not about the ge geographical Coney Island. The author intended it as a sustained metaphor or an allegory of modern life. Berlinghetti's A Coney Island of the Mind has become a modern classic. It's been translated into nine languages, and there are now over a million copies in print. Yeah, there's a this uh, old car that says Coney Island of the Mind on it. Spray paint. So this is this is a really great book. Go out and read it. Make your way out to San Francisco to City Lights Books honor Mr. Ferlinghetti. I wore my hat today just for him. I, I have a friend of mine, I remember when we went to his home, he was making pizza and he had this black hat on and I thought, that's a Ferlinghetti hat. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, oh, you don't know about Ferlinghetti? And, and so I, I always try my best to tell people about Ferlinghetti and uh, how how awesome he was not just in, in the writing but in the style of everything and in this in this age all we can do is uh, you know be there for one another rather than tear each other down and the poetry does that and through poetry you can also have moments of um, rage but you can do it in, in, a, in a lyrical way and that's always that's how the singers do it. You know, either someone writes a song or the singer-songwriter does it, or the rapper does it, the hip-hop artist, or the spoken word artist. You know, someone like Patti Smith, who is more of a spoken word artist and then incorporates the singing, and that weaves this interesting tale of just... I mean, she she took her nod from the beat poets and from Burroughs and... Ginsburg and Ferlinghetti and Corso and uh, Baraka and uh, Kerouac. So yeah, it's it truly is a Coney Island of the mind. And that's the Dr. Zeus film podcast. And um, I would be remiss if I don't mention my grandmother, who would have been 96 today, born the same year as the Queen. Um, and my professor and mentor, who would have been 90 today. And I have a very fond memory of both of them. I have a fond memory of my professor who, who loved literature and loved art and music and would teach art and music. And I have a fond memory of my friends and I sitting in her class and she would play Beethoven for us and then she would play Elvis Presley. Because she talked about how the baby boomers wouldn't let go of their rock and roll. Because she loved classical music. She loved Beethoven and she loved those pieces and then my grandmother who was an interesting character and um, many of the grandchildren and, and, and the family all talked about how she threw the shoe she never threw the shoe at me <laughs> but yeah it was it was an interesting time and that's what poetry is poetry is life remembering I could write those down as a memory but in a poem because it's much more intent and it's much more meaningful to put it in a poem than put it in as status. Sometimes I'm a, if you notice my Facebook, I'm always deleting things. It's like, oh, why did I post that? Where If I were to put it in lyrical form, it would make more sense to me as to the, the audience member. It's hard to say because, you know, poem, poets, we write it in code just as Ferlinghetti wrote it in code. You 
you have to wonder what he was thinking when he wrote it probably wrote it at midnight probably wrote it at 5 a.m. or 5 p.m. but it was always meaningful and um, we honor those and, and I light a candle for Ferlinghetti good night mm-hmm.